The Gospel according to Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O God. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and took off, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him into an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you spent. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The Good Samaritan. One of the most famous parables of Jesus. The parable is so engraved into the cultures shaped by Christianity that the phrase the Good Samaritan has become so common that everybody can understand it, either in law with the so-called Good Samaritan laws, or in medicine with countless hospitals being named by the parable, or just everyday sayings. The Good Samaritan has become a symbol, and I an ideal that everyone is in a way expected to strive for. A symbol of true love. Love that is moved by compassion when confronted by human suffering. Love that breaks down the barriers of nationality, ethnic origin or religious affiliation. Love that does not ask whether the one suffering is a part of one's own tribe, but helps regardless of the background of the person. In our socio-cultural setting, as people who do not understand and comprehend the disdain that the Jewish listeners of Jesus had towards the Samaritans, we probably cannot fully understand the shocking claim that Jesus was making. You see, the Samaritans, they weren't just other. They were heretics. They were traitors, abandoned by God. They had no hope. They were lost, cut off from God's people. It would probably not be too harsh to say that Jews and Samaritans hated each other. They would not talk to each other. It was that intense. And the shocking thing that Jesus does is not that he says you should treat Samaritans well and mercifully. 
I mean, that in itself would be shocking enough. But Jesus, Jesus goes even further. He puts the Samaritan as the protagonist, as the good guy of the story, as an example that his Jewish listeners should follow. The shock, the audacity, the nerve of this guy. Doesn't Jesus know that all Samaritans are horrible people? That they are incapable of doing good? They are not the right religion after all. They have abandoned God, and thus God has abandoned them. And yet, Jesus chooses Samaritan as the protagonist. And by doing so, he does not just instruct his listeners to treat others with respect and love, but challenges them to see the other as human beings capable of love, mercy, and compassion. This is why the parable is still relevant today. It speaks to every generation and every tribe and every age. No matter how familiar we are with the story, we still have to hear it again and again and be challenged by it. The parable of the good Roma person, the good Hungarian, the parable of the good Democrat, the good Republican, the good Arab, the parable of the good Muslim, the good Catholic, the good Lutheran, the parable of the good Mexican, the good American, the good Russian. The parable of the good Samaritan still invites us to see everyone we meet as beings created and loved by God, as led by God. As beings that God has not given up on, but continues to work through their lives also, same as ours, in mysterious ways we cannot always know and see. As beings that are capable of bringing forth good fruit of love, mercy, patience, wisdom, and the power of the Spirit. As humans who are maybe even following Jesus without even knowing it. But the parable does not just tell us how we should live. It is not just a moral lesson about mercy, love, racism, etc. It also tells us certain essential truths about God himself. The mystery of our faith teaches us that Jesus came into this world as fully human and fully divine. And in his humanity, Jesus teaches us through his life, words, and deeds how we should live as beings created in the image of God, created for love, created for God, created for each other. But another important part of his mission is mediated by his divinity. In his divine nature, Jesus shows us fully what God is like. The author of Colossians writes, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Colossians 2, 9. The author of the epistle to the Hebrews similarly declares, He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. Hebrew 1, 3. 
So what does Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan tell us about God and God's character? According to early church fathers and mothers, quite a lot. You see, early church thinkers loved allegory and allegorical reading of the scripture. They were always looking for inner, deeper meanings of scripture. Even Apostle Paul uses similar tactics in interpreting certain Old Testament passages as referring to Christ. Martin Luther was skeptical of allegorical interpretations because one can easily misuse such interpretation method to twist scripture into supporting whatever ideology one seeks to spread. But even Martin Luther saw the positive use of allegorical interpretation, however not for establishing doctrine, but for encouragement and enrichment. So how did the early church thinkers interpret the parable of the Good Samaritan? For them, we the listeners should not primarily identify with the Good Samaritan, but with the man beaten on the side of the road. They saw the half-dead man as Adam, the representative of humanity, as the representative of every single one of us, the representative of you yourself. Jerusalem represents the paradise and Jericho the world into which the robbed man is descending after the fall. The robbers represent the powers of evil that beat the man, leaving him utterly hopeless and unable to save himself from certain eternal death. The priest represents the law, and the Levite represents the prophets, both of which, which are incapable of saving the half-dead beaten man on the side of the road, both of which are incapable of saving us. The Church Fathers saw the parable Christocentrically, as being primarily about Jesus, not about us. In their interpretation of the scriptures, they always tried to point to Jesus, to shift our focus away from ourselves back to Jesus, because only then can our conduct reflect the one that we focus on, and we can truly be transformed by the Holy Spirit into the likeness that we were created in. So they saw as the main character of Jesus' parable, not themselves, but the Jesus. To them, the Good Samaritan is not a representative of us, but an allegory, a sign, a symbol of Jesus Christ himself. He is the one who notices us. He is the one that does not leave us laying on the side of the road, beaten and left to spiritually die. He is the one who is moved by compassion, who sees, who knows, who understands, who seeks to save those who cannot save themselves. The, wound, the wounds that the Good Samaritan bandages are the sins and evil that hurt us and cause our souls damage and inner pain. The oil and wine with which he treats the wounds are Christ's sacraments, with which he pours out his healing grace into our soul inflicted by the beatings of evil. The inn into which the Samaritan brings the beaten man is the church that is to take care of every repentant sinner.
Now, the interpretation of what the two denarii meant differed among theologians and preachers. Some saw it as an allusion to the fact that on the third day Jesus came back from the dead. And others saw in this image the two natures of Christ, divine and human nature, with which he brings forth salvation and healing. And the promise of the Samaritan that he will return for the half-dead man and repay to the innkeeper for his work represents the promise of Christ that he will return to bring the kingdom of God in fullness and repay to each according to our works. What is interesting about this interpretation is that it wasn't some fringe view of the text. It was almost universally widespread amongst, uh, throughout the early Christendom, from modern-day Turkey and Italy to northern Africa. What is so fascinating by, by this way of reading the text is that it flips our instinct to identify ourselves with the hero of the story, to see ourselves as the hero, as the protagonist of the story. The early church fathers and mothers said, no, the hero of our story is always Jesus. We are just the half-dead person on the side of the road at the mercy of our great compassionate Savior. This allegorical interpretation still carries with it the ethical exhortation as well. Go and do likewise, says the text. But it grounds the commandment not in our own abilities, as if we can earn our salvations and save ourselves, but it grounds it in what God has first done for us in Jesus. Everything starts and ends with Him. He is the Alpha and our Omega, the Alpha and Omega of everything we do, believe, and live. The early church fathers and mothers believed that the scriptures have four layers of meaning. Literal, moral, allegorical, and anagogical. The literal and mor moral meaning of this parable bear the same message. It tells us how to act with compassion towards everyone. The allegorical tells us, as we've said, who to trust and, what Jesus, and that Jesus is the main hero of our whole life story. Anagogical meaning... That one deals with the future things and tells us what we can hope for. In today's gospel reading, the one parable, uh, the one Jesus tells the parable to, asks, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" So the parable itself does carry anagogical meaning. It deals with the things eternal, our eternal destinies, eternal life. And who does Jesus give as an example for the one who will inherit eternal life? Not the priest, nor the Levite. Not the leaders in the community of God's elect, but a Samaritan. The one that does not belong to the chosen God's people, at least not visibly. A Samaritan who had the wrong view of God, who did not worship him in the correct way, whose theology had some serious defects. He's the one that Jesus identifies with and presents as the prototype of the one who will inherit eternal life. 
Jesus breaks our own expectation and maybe even prejudice and proclaims, we cannot know for certain who is in and who is out. Only God can be the judge of that. Yes, intellectual truth is important. Preaching and teaching the gospel and the faith is important. Correcting wrong assumptions and false claims about the faith in God and Jesus are also our calling and our responsibility as the church, as God's people and God's representative on earth. Because what we believe affects the way we behave and the way we treat others, the way we love and the way we live. But that does not mean that God does not work mysteriously and graciously even through people who have wrong or screwed assumption and beliefs about God. God's grace is so much bigger and wider and greater than we can even imagine. In the Old Testament, there are a number of examples of people who did not belong to God's chosen people of Israel. And yet it was clear that God's spirit was working through them as well. In the New Testament, the very first non-Jew who was baptized into Christ, Cornelius, was beloved and accepted by God even before he knew anything intellectually about Jesus. Because it was his whole life that showed his faith in the one he did not even know yet by reason. St. Augustine puts it beautifully when he wrote, How many sheep are there without How many wolves within? In Jesus' parable about the final judgment, Jesus talks about the separation of the sheep, the one who followed God, and the goats who did not follow God. The sheep, the righteous, tell Jesus, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And Jesus answered them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. The righteous worshipped Jesus even though they didn't know it, followed his way of love and self-sacrificing mercy, and by doing so showed the fruit of their inner faith, inner trust in Jesus. The parable of the Good Samaritan then gives us hope. Hope for others who seem to be outside God's chosen people and yet who mysteriously through God's wide grace cooperate in God's mission of healing God's creation. And this hope frees us from the burden of judging and condemning others. Because when we condemn others, We don't have the time to love them, as Mother Teresa wisely said. But the Good Samaritan also gives us hope for ourselves. Because if we are honest with ourselves, we must confess that many things that we believe about God and Jesus and ourselves are probably not true. All of us, each and every one of us, have an image of God in our heads that is not completely in tune with the true God revealed in Jesus. And yet, we can hope that God works through us as well, despite our failings, our errors, our sins. The parable of the Good Samaritan is in a way the whole message of Jesus in a nutshell. It retells the story of mankind, sin, 
fall, Christ's salvation and return, and the church in its allegorical meaning. It shows us the fullness of law, which is love, love that breaks down barriers, either social, racial, religious, or other kind, and shows compassion for the other, no matter what his or her life circumstances. Love that does not ask whether someone is worthy of it, but showers others with grace wherever it goes. And lastly, it gives us hope. Hope that Christ will return, hope in the inheritance of eternal life, and hope not just for others, but for us as well, even when we fail to comprehend the truths of the gospel truly. So in that regard, the parable of the Good Samaritan is really about faith, love, and hope. About who we can trust, how we should act, and where we should seek the comfort during times of uncertainty and fear. May we always find peace and comfort in the arms of our Good Samaritan and imitate him in everything we do, bringing love and the breaking of God's kingdom into our world, beaten up and left half dead on the side of the road to die. God showed us mercy. Hallelujah. Go and do likewise. Amen.